Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. My name is Lynn Wilder with Ex-Mormon Christians United for Jesus. Find us at unveilingmormonism.com. And this is my co-host. Yes, Michael Wilder. And oh boy, this has been so much fun. We've we've had this great guest, Ashley, and she's just been giving us all this knowledge about, you know, joining the Baptist church and then coming back and joining the LDS church. And it's just, it's just been fascinating. Lynn, even give us more detail. Well, I would not say joining the Baptist church. I would say joining the body of Christ, because when the Holy Spirit enters you, you're part of a body that is worldwide and people in true Christianity who are saved, born again, are found all kinds of interesting places. We've made the point before on this podcast that if true salvation has come to you, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and you happen to go into Mormonism, there's going to be this little spiritual rub (laughs) or discomfort that happens and this conviction that eventually will draw you away from Mormonism. Why? Because what is taught in the LDS Church and what God says in the Bible do not line up. This is part two with Ashley Grinstead. Ashley um, is from the East Coast, Tennessee, is it? I'm in Virginia. I'm in Virginia. Virginia. (laughs) Um, And she did get saved in her 20s, but married an inactive LDS husband, um, took the discussions, and then joined the LDS church. And that's kind of where we are in her story. Uh, Second daughter was just born. So tell us about your experiences in the LDS church. She did say that she could never sing the song Praise to the Man. She could never open her mouth and sing that song. That song convicted my husband right out of the church. Um, Tell us about some of your other experiences in, and then when you started to seriously question, what started that questioning? So, um, so I joined and things were pretty great. I mean, everybody was so welcoming and so excited. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, of course you have my husband's family that was just over the moon, you know, because you know, that's, you know, just what they really wanted, you know, was for their whole family to, you know, be together um, in in the Mormon faith. And so um, I had my baptism scheduled and I remember something else that was, you know, kind of off kilter for me is that I was told that I could pick the songs that were going to be um, played, you know, at my baptism you know, thing that I could do. And I had picked this beautiful Christian song, um, do a knew a girl in the church that played the piano and sang beautifully. And I just thought it would be wonderful. And so when I shared it, you know, with my mother-in-law, she's like, well, you should probably run that by the bishop first. And I was like, okay. So I sent the link to him and, you know, he, he messaged back and, and he said, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful song. I just don't think it's appropriate to, you know, be played, you know, it, it needs to be a church song that we play. So I was kind of like, okay. So, so, so that was kind of odd, but I mean, I, I had my, my baptism, my husband baptized me so that, you know, that felt really special to have him be the one who baptized me. 
And um, then my first calling came, of course, you know, you join and it's like, what, what can we have you do now? So my first calling was the primary secretary, which I absolutely loved because I love kids, you know, and being involved in, in that um and that capacity was a really good fit for me. And so really the first year, I mean, I couldn't really complain. I'm still never saying praise to the man, but um, we were faithful. We went every week. Um, it was really hard giving up coffee and tea, you know, <laughs> abstaining from that. Um, that was really difficult. Um, but I mean, the first year was really, it just felt good for our family. We were all united, all on the same page. Um, and then uh, as my year drew closer and I was going to be able to go to the temple, um, the church had held a temple prep class for us to attend mm. to go. Um, the temple prep class, um, you know, they don't really give you too many details, you know, because they've always said, you know, it's not secret, it's sacred, and we can't really talk about it outside of, you know, being inside the temple. So um, I don't really feel like that prep class prepared me really for anything. Um, but that's kind of, kind of where that was. Um, do you have a question for me in between? Uh, no, I was okay. just going to no. comment. Mike and I didn't know about temple garments until our temple prep class. And it was the night before we left when we mm -hmm. We're told we were going to have to wear these undergarments 24-7 now for the rest. Well, I was very familiar yes. with those because, I mean, Vince had been wearing them, you know, religiously, you know, since he had gone no. back to church. So I was I was familiar with those. Yeah. I was not looking forward to them. But <laughs> yeah. Well, the other question I had was, what was the beautiful Christian song that the Mormons did not let you You know, it's so funny because I, I, I tried to rack my brain to remember what it was. And if I come across it, I will make sure that I share okay. it with you. Yeah. But to, uh, to, for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. But yeah. yeah. What was that? Amazing Grace? It, no, it wasn't. Okay. 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 No, they've put that uh, in their new hymn book now. Yeah. 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 All the years, all the years we were in the LDS church, we never heard that song, song sung in the LDS church, Amazing Grace. Wow, um, which is amazing. That's that's a long time. But and yet, uh, there was uh, a commercial at one time from the LDS Church <laughs> that showed a black congregation singing "Amazing Grace," which blew us away because, first of all, we didn't know any black congregations in Mormonism. <laughs> second of all, they were singing a song we didn't we never yeah. heard before. Right? And and besides yeah. singing the song, amazing, they were standing and clapping. Oh my! <laughs> Never ever did that. I mean, that was just—that was just a made-up thing to make people think, like you know, they're just a normal church. And mm -hmm. It's just like whoa! But uh, but uh, so so. But you did have praise to the man. Is that as my understanding? That was your song in the, at your baptism. <laughs> oh no, no! I still got oh, to pick. On. I still got to pick. I still got to pick my songs, but that was okay. not one of them. <laughs> uh, I'm sure the the bishop. Would have recommended that. <laughs> that that bring you closer to God. But uh, okay. so the first year okay. is good. And yeah. yeah. So the first year was great. I mean, we made lots of friends. You really had a sense of belonging, you know. And yeah. you know, you just okay. felt good doing yeah. just serving. Yeah. You know, it just made you 
you know, and, and then I, my, my next time I was really uncomfortable was during the temple recommend interview, you know, which, you know, I could kind of check the boxes on, you know, everything until we got to that last question, you know, like, are you worthy to enter the temple? And it made me so uncomfortable, you know, because I kind of knew that my answer had to be yes in some form, you know, to be able to go, but I, it, it felt so hard to have it come off of my lips. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's interesting. Uh, I remember that was always, there's a few questions, but to me, that was always the hardest question mm-hmm. to answer. Uh, are you worthy? And I think that's part of your Christian background. Mm-hmm. Nobody's worthy. That's right. The only one that's worthy is the Lamb of the Lord. Okay. Mm-hmm. But but that always nagged me. But I think if you're raised LDS, you don't even question that. I mean, I, I used to give these recommend questions of when I was in the bishopric in two different states, um, in Indiana and Utah. And I I remember I really was serious. Hopefully the person that was giving you the, it's probably the bishop uh, giving you the recommend. And then you had to go visit the stake president right. for the same, same thing one more time. But uh, I still remember when I would give those I was really serious. I mean, when I gave the questions, and I remember, especially a lot of men, they would answer those questions even before I finished the question. And I would start saying, are you worthy? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) Uh, In other words, it was just like automatic. Mm -hmm. Are you even thinking about the question? So to Mm -hmm. me, it was a very, very, and I always, Every time I had those questions given to me, I would always stop and say to the the state president or to the bishop or whoever was, I was giving the, the answers back to, I says, I do my best. Mm-hmm. And they said, that's okay, brother. That's close enough. So but let's I, explain I, to Christians, they have no idea what this yeah, means, it's, right? It's, Before it's, you... You have to make yourself worthy in order to enter a Mormon temple. There are 180-some Mormon temples around the world, and there are a number of things you have to do. Pay tithing for at least a year, live a health code, um, attend church, have a calling. There are all kinds of things. Uh, And if you've been to the temple once and you have temple garments, you have to say that you'll wear them and have worn them, right, 24-7. So to a Mormon, you're used to this idea that you're doing things that are making yourself worthy. And um, to a Christian, Christians rub against that idea because they know we're not worthy only through Jesus, right? And what he did on the cross, can we be made worthy? Okay, so you've given us two things now that kind of rubbed you the wrong way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Go ahead with your story. What's next? All right. Well, next I've, I passed the temple recommend interview. And so we planned our trip to the temple. And um, like I said, I'm in Virginia. So the closest temple at the time would have been Washington, D.C., but it was closed down for, for construction. So then we either had the choice to go south to North Carolina or north to Philadelphia. So we chose to go north to Philadelphia. 
And so my in-laws and my, me and my husband and my two daughters, we took off to go up there. We had a whole bunch of um, family from down here coming, even the um, elder, elderly missionaries that had taught us, they were back in New York. They even came to be there. And the first night we got there, you know, we got settled in our hotel went, and it was right across the street from the temple. And so, um, we walked over there and walked around it. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. I mean, all of them are, I mean, they're just breathtakingly beautiful. And I remember walking around it and thinking, wow, this, this is just amazing. You know? So I, I was pretty excited you know, the next day and, you know, the, the doctrine that had been presented to me about the forever families and, you know, my dad had just passed away in 2015 and, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, be together forever and, you know, having my girls sealed to me, well, I can have them as mine forever. Mm -hmm. Like those things were just, I mean, it works on your heartstrings, you know, because that that's what you want is you want your family you know, together forever. So, I mean, the first night we got down there, um, things were fine. I was feeling fine, you know. And so the next morning rolled around and we needed to get there early because I had to go through all of the ceremonies. Um, other than the baptism, I hadn't done any of the things. And since we had came so far, we needed to get them all done in the same day. And so, um, my mother-in-law was not the one that was going to go through the temple with me, I guess, as my companion is what they may call it. Right, um, she, right. stayed behind, she stayed behind in the hotel to watch my daughters because, I mean, they were really young at the time. I think they would have been one and five at the time. Um, mm -hmm. So they were, you know, they needed to be kept until it was time for the actual marriage sealing part, part of my ceremony, of uh, the ceremony for the sealing. And so I remember uh, got ready. Um, the the sis, the elderly uh, missionary sister was going to be my companion that day to go through the temple. And so I remember walking in at first, and I kind of got this little bit of uneasy feeling inside of me. But I kind of just chalked it up to being nervous. I didn't know what to expect, and um, so we kind of got in and got started. And I remember as we started going, you know, through the different ceremonies, things started to feel a little, just a little strange. You know, there were a lot of things that um, that hadn't been taught to me yet. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it's the endowment ceremony where they do like the reenactment of the creation. Is that is that mm -hmm. correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's where things really started to get strange for me, um, kind of like the fall being looked at as a benefit for humanity. Um, <laughs> a fall you know, upward. <laughs> yes, a yes. fall upward. Yeah. Um, that, that struck me very strange. Um, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, but that was one of the things that really stuck up. Oh, oh the, the other thing was that we were to become um, as gods, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'd always felt like, you know, we're going to become like God, which is, you know, kind of a Christian thing to be like Jesus, you know, <laughs> take on the attributes of Jesus. But here I'm learning, you know, we're going to be our own gods, you know, and so that was something else that really made me super uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So at that time, at that time, my heart kind of started racing, but I kind of felt like I was trapped because, you know, they had the ladies on one side of the room, the men on the other side of the room. So I wasn't anywhere near my husband. And the companion I had was the sister missionary. 
you know, and I knew I had all this family that had come up. So I'm kind of starting to have a little bit of this panic attack going on, but I'm like, I can't do anything about it. I just have to continue on. Plus, at the beginning of the endowment service, they give you an opportunity to opt out. But at the beginning, you have no idea what's going to happen or what your commitments are even going to be. So once you find those out, then if you want to run, there's no there's no real opportunity. Mm -hmm. There's no graceful way to say, stop. I'm not good with this. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that that concept is that. Uh, again, when you sit down in the endowment room, you know, they have a person comes on the speaker and says, you know, if any of you are not comfortable with, you know, making these covenants to the Lord, raise your hand that you may leave now. And it's like in business, it's like, well, I want you to sign this contract before you've read it. Before you've read it. it, yeah. it, it right. It doesn't make sense. You know, how, how, how can I know I agree with something or disagree until I'm told? Now, what's interesting with me when I went through it, the first part of the what I call the Washington anointing, um, I assume you had that done, right? The, oh, oh, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> and and when you were given the garments at that point, okay, and you received the blessings, it, anointing with oil and all that. stuff. Now, that has changed a lot since when Lynn and I did it many, many years ago, compared to what what you experienced, I mean, when we did it, it was really, 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 really strange. But but the, the fact is, did that kind of throw anything to you at that point, just begin to get you thinking or like, is this? I, I remember of- my mind just sort of racing. And it, it's funny when I look back now is that a lot of it is a blur to me. Um I remember being really focused and confused as to why they gave me a new name. I'm, I'm kind of thinking, well, what's wrong with my old name? <laughs> you know, why do I need a new name? So I was really focused on that for a while. But like I said, it was almost just like going through the motions at that point yeah. for me. I, and now, like looking back, it's even one of those things that's just more of a blur to me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Again, so now, for the, yeah, for go the ahead, Christians, Lynn. let me real quickly explain for the Christians, Mormons do get a new name in the temple. um, And then whoever is going to resurrect you in Mormonism, it's not Jesus Christ that resurrects you, has to know your new name to call you out of the grave. So my husband knew my new name, and then he was supposed to call my name when I died, if he died before me. Mm -hmm. And that was how I came through the veil to the next life, to paradise. As a Mormon, I would have come through the veil of death to to uh, paradise. Everyone else goes to spirit prison, according to Mormons, if you're not a Mormon. Sorry, Mike, what were you so going to anyway, say? So anyway, yeah, so you, you, you get your new name, Lynn explained the reason, and that new name is later on given to you, so you had to give it to somebody else. Your husband knows it, and, and you had to also give it to go through the veil to be able mm-hmm. to get to the celestial kingdom to live with Heavenly Father. But um, so you get a new name, you receive your garments, okay? That's the unique underwear that you're going to wear the rest of your life. And you will be buried in them if you're a Mormon at the end of your life. Uh, so you receive your garments. And again, 
Um, the garments that we received back in, when was it? 1978, Lynn, or something like that, 79, whenever we went through the temple, and a lot different today back then than what they are today. So um, I always tell people, well, if you remember the Maul and Paul Kettle movies with uh, <laughs> Paul Kettle running the around John. the house in these long johns, that's the <laughs> way my, they were one piece long johns. That's the way they looked. Okay. That's, we don't need to go into more detail than that. Okay. Uh, but that's, uh, I looked at those and said, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be wearing these, but the church <laughs> is true. You know, you always say that, but the church is true. I will mm -hmm. do this. Okay. So <laughs> and, Ashley, and <laughs> was there <laughs> anything else in your temple experience that um, kind of rubbed you the wrong way or? Well, that leads us to the, the, the pivotal moment of it all. I had um, just passed through the veil and I was sitting in the celestial room and I was sitting there by myself. And it was like as clear as day in my head, a voice said to me, why is what I did on the cross not enough for you? Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Why, okay. why are you trying to earn my love? That is what I died for. Um, and I'm sitting there just like, I mean, I, I I had never really heard, you know, the voice of God speak to me before, but it was just as plain as day in my head, you know, and, and that is just when I knew that all of those feelings I've been feeling throughout the temple, that wasn't my nerves. That was the Holy Spirit, Spirit that had just been grabbing, gra grasping my heart, you know, and it was just like, you know, I don't know if he was thinking she's just not getting it, you know, with the feeling that I have to, you know, like literally tell her, you know, what's going on. But I will never forget that for as long as I live. Yeah. So repeat that, that for the audience so they can hear that again. Oh, if I can get through it without <laughs> without crying. But he said, it, it said, why is what I did on the cross for you not enough? Why are you trying to earn my grace? It's yeah. what I died for. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and understand this. Uh, you know, when you take the, uh, that's beautiful. I, I can't even think of it. But <laughs> when you take the temple recommend questions and you live your life a certain way, so you're worthy to go to mm -hmm. the temple and so-called no unclean thing can enter the temple per se, mm -hmm. and you're in the celestial room, which is the holiest place in the temple mm -hmm. that the average person can go to, let's just say, and that uh, is the devil able to speak to you in the temple? Well, no. They said, well, no, he can't enter here. This is your protected. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so would Mormons say that was the devil speaking to you? Or would they have to say, well, that was God speaking to you. And if that's God speaking to you, he discounted everything you just said in that temple recommend. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because are you worthy? No. Uh, you know, can you add on to what Jesus did on the cross? What's the whole purpose of going to the temple? Mm -hmm. You're adding on to that. And so well, and then of what, course the verse came to my mind. It's it's funny because I wasn't super familiar with the Bible and I actually looked it up so I could actually share the verse with you. But Galatians 2 221, 20, I do mm -hmm. not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died 
in vain. Well, that's probably one of my favorite verses. Um, it depends on what book I'm reading, but it, 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 that is so, Paul hits it so well. So we would always encourage our Mormon friends and Christians go back and read those six chapters in Galatians, okay? But when Paul states, you know, again, the King James Version would be, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Mm-hmm. For if righteousness comes by the works of the law, which is everything that's incorporated in the temple, that is the works of the law to get into the temple. If that's true, then Christ died in vain because you're earning your salvation. You're not receiving the gift from Jesus. So you can't have it both ways. You either want to earn it or you're going to accept the gift. And exactly. if you're going to earn it, you're not going to make it. <laughs> it's just the way <laughs> it is. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, unless you're absolutely perfect. Uh, and there's, as we know in the scriptures, there's nobody that's perfect except for Jesus Christ or the Christ Jesus. So, Ashley, we're down to two minutes. Um, kind of give us a cliffhanger. <laughs> Did you share this with anybody? Oh, no. No. I, I mean, at this point, I mean, you know, <laughs> of course, we went through with the sealing ceremony for our family. But at that point, I'm just, I just keep asking myself, what have I done? <laughs> you know, what have I done? Am I going to lose my family over this? I mean, there was only, I, I knew that there was only going to be a matter of time um, that I was going to be able to continue um, in the Mormon church. I just, I, I, the truth was clearly spoken to me that day in the temple. Yeah. And it's when it's juxtaposed against non-truth, it becomes very clear. Mm-hmm. Often uh, Christians who read my book, Unveiling Grace, will say, wow, I learned so much about my own faith by learning what it wasn't. This mm-hmm. clearly is the gospel. This clearly is not the gospel. Um, how long did you continue um, um, so I guess we went stage. to the temple in April of 2019, and it wasn't until, um, I want to say October of 2020 that I ended up um, rocking the boat, so to speak. <laughs> wow, we get to pick this up then later yeah. on. Uh, so exciting. So I guess this means you're going to have to do this again. You're going to have to put up with me, okay? <laughs> At least one more time. Uh, so so that, that that was great. That was great. Lynn, you take Thank it from you here. You're great. Thank you so much um, for, for gracing us with this story. God is so good. And we pray that Mormons will open their hearts to the God of the Bible. Grace and peace to you. Until next time. And may God bless.